0: Well, everybody, thank you so much for being here with us today. And, you know, recently, Lori and I, we did something that was just truly amazing. We actually went out to eat at a restaurant. I don't know if you've done this yet, but, uh, you know, at first it was a little weird. The table that we sat at was actually outside in what used to be the parking lot. And so we've got cars driving by our table. I mean, the staff's wearing masks. And uh, so that that was different. But, you know, any weirdness that we felt was totally overcome when the food arrived. I mean, each bite was glorious. We're making these yummy noises at our table. I mean, we were just so tired of making our own food. Somebody make some noise at home if you are tired of making your own food. And it was incredible, somebody else making food, bringing it to us, and having it be so over-the-top delicious. And not only that, but listen, when the meal was done, they took our dishes away, our dirty dishes. Look, I've got teenagers usually leaving their dishes everywhere. And so this was love, people. This was amazing. And one of the things that hit us in that moment was not just the amazing gratitude that we had for restaurants and just a realization of, of really, you know, how we took simple things for granted before the lockdown, but it was the feeling that, that maybe, just maybe, there was a little light that was breaking through the clouds of the storm that we've all been in. And Lori and I, we just, we sat there and we ate and we began to, we just started to reflect on the last weeks and all that we've been through. And some of it was encouraging, but some of it was difficult. I mean, we've all had some dark days, Right? Sometimes, in many ways, you'd say, we face some of the most challenging days in our lifetimes. And I've had some defeated days, some frustrated days, some exhausted days, days where I've just been so incredibly discouraged. I faced some of those days recently, even this week. You know, the lack of civility in our country, this country that I love, the way that the coronavirus has divided people. It's very disappointing to me. The continued racial biases in our world and the injustices that we see in videos that just keep surfacing. Videos of uh, Ahmaud Ar- Arbery and, and this week another video of George Floyd saying that he can't breathe and ultimately dying right there in front of our eyes on on video, the pain, the anger, the deep sadness that this causes all of us and the way these moments sort of bring up so much pain and history for our friends, our people of color. I grieve for the great people that I know that are struggling and for the great people I know in law enforcement of all races who are trying their best to protect and serve. It was Will Smith who said, racism isn't getting worse, it's getting filmed. And we have to continue to stand against the sin of racism. We've got to work hard for justice. We have to continue to watch each other's backs, especially as people of faith. Listen, we are one in Jesus Christ, and we have to lead the way on what true racial reconciliation looks like. I mean, just to be transparent, I've had some really discouraging moments this week, and I believe many of you have as well. One of the things that's also been discouraging this week. It's just the whole issue of religious liberty. You know, I'm very grateful that uh, we've been able to open locations in uh, our Florida, in the state of Florida, and I'm I'm grateful that we've been able to uh, open in Kingman, Arizona, I have spent a lot of time recently trying to work with the governor and with governmental leaders and city leaders and other faith leaders about how we can open up churches safely in Nevada, following the best practices of social distancing. And, you know, I really believe it is time for our churches to have a safe option for people to gather in person. Listen, people need encouragement and some need more than simply online encouragement. They're discouraged, they're hurting, they're wrestling with addictions and depression, they're struggling with financial pressure, they're, they're facing desperate a desperate need to be around others even in a socially distanced way for their own mental health and spiritual health this week I I served at our drive-through chip night for Celebrate Recovery along with my wife Lori and it was awesome man, cars were honking and driving through and we're handing out recovery chips to them through the windows. People were getting chips for 30 days all the way up to 30 years. They're celebrating recovery for all kinds of hurts and habits and hang-ups that they're facing in their life and I just think if you get a chip for 30 days in the midst of a pandemic, that's like remarkable miracle, you know, right up there with uh, ab Absolutely incredible way to go. But the amount of people in tears who are driving through, who just said, we miss you guys so much. We love you. We need to get back together. It was touching. It was heartbreaking. And I'll be honest, for me, it made me angry. We need to be back together in church in safe and appropriate ways. I'm giving it all I have to work through the proper channels to get this done in Nevada. But it has been incredibly frustrating to see that movie theaters and museums can be opened at 50% capacity, while churches can be opened at no more than 50 people, which is an empty gesture that just keeps most churches virtually closed. It's disheartening. It's disheartening to see casinos and places of business treated one way and churches treated another way. And in my opinion, it absolutely is a violation of religious liberty when things are not fair across the board. Now, I know the media loves to come along and and the headlines love to talk about how churches are hotspots for virus spread. But when you really dig into these articles, there isn't nearly as much there as they make you think is there. I mean, they reference church situations from before the best practices of social distancing measures or current church situations that aren't engaging in the best practices of social distance measures. They like to dig in and find one or two cases and then try to pin it back on the church when there really isn't any scientific evidence that those individuals didn't get the coronavirus from being around hundreds of people at Costco or Walmart or Home Depot. I mean, is walking down a grocery store aisle different than walking down a church hallway? Is sitting in a movie theater for two hours with your family six feet from other families different than sitting in a church auditorium for one hour six feet from others? And in Nevada, is having thousands of people in a casino now? Different than having hundreds socially distanced in a church building, trying to follow the best practices of social distancing, and I guess, I guess it's okay when the whole world shuts down for us to be out serving millions of pounds of food to hundreds of thousands of people in need in groups of often more than fifty, like we've done for the last ten weeks. But when the whole world opens back up, it's not okay for us to meet together. Accepting groups of less, 50 or less. I mean, come on. I'm not giving up. And I'm not just waiting around for the next announcement. I'm working hard to try to see this through, to try to see it happen properly. But I'm just being honest. I have had some moments of deep discouragement and disappointment this week. Both with racial and with religious injustices. And so I want to share with you some good news today. Somebody at home right now is like, whoa. Whoa. Just got heavy. I want to share some good news with you today. I want to talk about how we can deal with defeated thoughts when we have them. And one thing I would suggest is this the best way to deal with defeated thoughts is through positive actions. The best way to deal with defeated thoughts is through positive actions. That's why I've been so proud of the way our church responded through Hope for the City. We've done so much good serving and praying, helping and encouraging. And as cities slowly start to open back up, the needs will eventually change. But let's keep the good going. These kinds of events tend to bring us together. But then we drift apart. We forget that we're a community and we've got to stay together. we got to keep doing good together. So today I want to talk about some positive actions that we can take when those defeated thoughts come in and try to hold us back. And we're going to go back to the last chapter of Ephesians where Paul describes what he calls the armor of God. These are spiritual practices that you can put on like, like armor to help you stay strong and to help you move forward with God's strength. We talked about the belt of truth that makes you strong against lies and hypocrisy or the body armor or chest plate of righteousness that helps you stand strong against temptations. We looked at the shoes of peace that help you stand firm against worry and the shield of faith that helps you stand firm against fear. We've boiled down these four differences into these kind of simple practices that God has given us to help us stay strong. So let's just go back and let's review these practices check them out we'll bring this up on the screen the first one was this to stand on the truth and we talked about how important it is that we lean into God's truth in our lives and stand on it then we talked about believing the best and uh, remembering that God isn't finished and he's still working and how that could be such a powerful principle for us in our life we looked at putting on the shoes of peace peace today I want to talk to you how about how we can keep doing good and then next week we're going to look at how we can pray for power the power of prayer so keep doing good in our lives. So Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 17, when we get to the, the red word, wherever you're at, at home, watching this, I'm going to ask you to say this word real loud just to make sure everybody around you knows you're awake, you're here, you're all in. But Ephesians six seventeen, here's what it says. It says, put on what? Salvation, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So Paul's been describing this armor that we wear, this spiritual armor, because we are in a battle, friends, and make no no mistake about it, we're in a spiritual battle, not just an earthly battle, a spiritual battle. It's not just flesh and blood enemies, it's spiritual enemies that we're dealing with. We've talked about that over the last couple weeks. Paul's laid all that out, and he says one of the ways we fight this battle is we put on our salvation like a helmet. We hang on to it in our lives, and uh, we remember God's word like a spirit. So I've got a helmet up here. It's a Dallas Cowboys uh, helmet. I don't, uh, I don't know what team you cheer for, but my whole life I've cheered for the Dallas Cowboys. My dad was a huge fan, and uh, I was raised watching the Cowboys. And, and I, you know, I've continued to cheer for them even though they've broken my heart again and again and again. But then somebody else came into my life. I met somebody else. This team right here. We're going to bring this up. The Raiders. So first we had the Cowboys, and for a long time I was in a monogamous relationship with the Dallas Cowboys, but then the Raiders came along, and I've been two-timing a little bit now. I didn't pick them. They picked me. They just sort of moved into the town I live in, you know, and so, uh, so now what do I do? People are telling me, hey, the Cowboys look really good this year, and I'm like, mm, I just don't care because I'm shifting allegiances, and I feel like it's just happening. I'll still cheer for the Cowboys. I get it, but, but I'm kind of a proud member of Ra- Raider Nation now, so this is, this is happening, y'all. It's going down for real. I'm just telling you, Paul says, hey, put on the helmet. See, the helmet, it doesn't just uh, point to um, something that protects you. Uh, The helmet, just like in football, it it identifies you. And God is declaring with the helmet of salvation that you're on his, his team. He's not like a fan who can just switch teams. He's like an owner who's drafted you and equipped you and sends you out to play. So Romans chapter 8, and remember when we get to the the red word, I'm going to ask you at home to just just say it out loud and help me out here. But here's what Paul says, Romans 8.1. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who what? Belong to Christ Jesus. Listen, if you belong to Christ Jesus, you are totally and categorically outside of the realm of condemnation in your life. We've been saved because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, which is amazing and incredible. And uh, Jesus went, he lived, he died, he rose again to rescue us and save us from uh, our sin and our failures. And so check out uh, this graphic. Paul talks about putting on the helmet of salvation. And listen, what Jesus did for us, the reason there's no condemnation is because when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he saved us from the penalty of sin. What our sins and failures actually deserve. Jesus rescued us from what that penalty of sin is in our past. And in the present, He let's bring this up, he saves us from the power of sin. In other words, God's spirit comes and dwells in our heart and in our life and fills us with, with strength and power. And so as we go forward, we're saved not only from the past, the penalty of sin, we're saved from the power of sin. God can give us the power to overcome sin in our life. And we won't be perfect, but we can keep growing to be more and more the way he is. And then in the future, look at this, we're, the, we are saved from the presence. Uh, of sin. Someday in the future the promise of heaven is not only that God will be there and we will walk with God but that sin will no longer be there. And so we still struggle with sin now. Just look around. We live in a world filled with sin and racism and bias and all the things but we are headed to a world that literally the presence of sin will not be there. Only the presence of God. It's an amazing promise. And so when the Bible says there's no condemnation it's because Jesus on the cross dealt with the penalty of our sin. He, he dealt with the power of sin and he dealt with the presence of sin as we move in to the future. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for the time that you lied to cover your tracks or you exaggerated to look more impressive. There's no condemnation for when you let jealousy get the better of you or when you weren't there for a friend or a loved one. There's no condemnation for when you lost your cool and when you let words fly or when you were unfaithful in a relationship or when the marriage fell apart or when you weren't there as a parent or when you hid the credit card from your spouse or when the prescription pills became a habit or when the sexual sins consumed you. There is no condemnation. Listen, there's no condemnation for uh, the gossip that was passed on at another's expense or for fudging the numbers and believing that the end justified the means. There's no condemnation for when you drank too much or for when the lies you told yourself and others just overwhelmed you because of an addiction. Or for that time that you told God you would never do it again and then you did it again. Or for the time you promised God that you would do something but then you didn't. My question for you today, friends, is are you walking in this liberation or are you carrying around that old guilt and shame that you've asked God to forgive a hundred different times? Are you still walking around afraid that you aren't enough? Are you still chained to the past by chains that God has already unlocked? Listen, in Christ the old has gone and the new has come. You are a new creation. It's a new day filled with a new promise, with hope, with possibilities and opportunities, with new dreams and goals, perspectives and resolve. God's mercy is new every morning. His grace is fresh every day. His love is poured out. His Spirit is working. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put Put it on every day. Take up God's word, the Bible, and store it in your heart. And celebrate God's rescue. Because when we feel defeated, when we feel marginalized, when we feel ignored, when we feel alone, we got to remember that God is with us, that God has saved us, that God has rescued us, and that God is working even in the midst of situations we don't understand. Celebrate God's rescue in your life then the other positive practice that you can do to help defeat negative thoughts is simply this, to do the next good thing. Do the next good thing. You know, about a year ago, uh, our family got selected for the Census Bureau Employment Survey. And so feeling bound by some sort of sense of civic duty, uh, Lori sucked it up and made the call, assuming that she would just be answering a few questions then she'd move on with her life. And so the interview, it lasted about an hour and a half. And they asked pretty much every question about our family, except for what kind of milk we preferred, right? And at the very end, the woman asking all the questions says, Okay, well, I'll call you again in one month for the second interview. Lori's like, Wait, what? The second? There's a second interview? I thought this was it. I thought there was just one interview. Oh, no, I'll call you for the second interview. But don't worry, all the other interviews will be shorter. She's like, all the other interviews? How many exactly are there? And when the call came the next month, she just ignored it. Because she's like, I already did the call, I'm good. So she ignored the voicemail that was left, she ignored the text that came through, she even ignored the package that came in the mail. But what she couldn't ignore was the overnight FedEx envelope that came to our front door. So finally she breaks down and she makes the call. I mean, it only lasted 15 minutes, but when she wrapped up, the interviewer says, hey, okay, I'll talk to you again next month. That'll be our last call. Well, more texts, more FedEx letters, finally the last call comes. And after 10 minutes, Lori is done. The person says, yes, this is the last call of the series. What? The series? She goes, oh, yeah, there will be two more series of multiple interviews still to come. And so just last week, listen, a year after saying yes, Lori did her final Series 3 interview. And I kid you not, when she went to hang up, the person said, okay, I'll talk to you again in three months. (laughs) I mean, this is how it feels sometimes, right? Just trying to do good. Just trying to do the right thing. Just trying to be helpful. You just want to make a difference. And sometimes, you know, it just wears you out. People can sometimes seem to want more than you have to give. You can get what you might call good thing fatigue. You try to do good for everyone and you end up sort of paralyzed in the process. Check it out, Galatians chapter six, verse nine. It says this, help me out when we get to the red word here at the end of the scripture, the red words. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't what? Give up, if we don't give up. See, the promise, the promise here is That doing good leads to a harvest of blessing. You do good things and it leads to the good things coming into your life. And the good life is often found in the good we do, not simply the good we hope to get. So the key is to not give up when you get tired. And one way we do that is to just do the next good thing. So you don't have to solve every problem. You don't have to meet every need. You can just start with whatever is in front of you. Even the smallest things can have a huge impact over time if you don't give up. And every time you offer patience, it's a good work. Every time you encourage somebody, that is a good work. Every time you offer a listening ear, that is a good work. Every time you pray for your family or for your leaders or for the government, that is a good work. Listen, every time you put someone else first, even in traffic, that's a good work. It may even be a miracle, right? Every every time you serve someone else, that's a good work. Every time you lead with integrity, that is good work. Every time you show up when you'd rather check out, that is good work. Every time you honor someone else, that is good work. Every time you stand in awe of nature and your creator, that is good work. Listen, every time you believe the best rather than the worst about somebody, that is good work. Every time you offer a helping hand, every time you seek to understand, that is good work. Every time you trust God, God, even though you don't understand exactly what's going on. That is good work in our lives. Every time you do what you said you'd do, it's good work. Every time you're honest about what you can't do, that is good work. Every time you forgive, it's good work. Every time you get back up and try again, it's good work. Every time you stick to it when you want to quit, that is good work. Every time you stand on God's truth, it's good work. Every time you keep the faith, that is good work. Every time you look forward to God's best, It's good work. And every time you celebrate the work that God did, work that only he could do, the work of your salvation, that is the best work. Because his goodness is what empowers you to do the good works he planned for you to do long ago. So keep doing good. You are rescued to be a rescuer. Don't lose hope. Don't break faith. Don't give up. Do the next good thing. like an individual I met many years ago named Dieter Zander. Dieter was this incredible pastor. Uh, He communicated to audiences of thousands of people. He was so incredibly talented and charismatic, and everyone was just drawn to him. Some of you know people like this. Some years ago when he was in his 40s, uh, he woke up one morning in bed and he couldn't speak. One side of his body was completely paralyzed, and what he would find out is that that night he had had a a stroke that had a tremendous effect on his life. It left him with a condition that literally wipes the language hardware of your brain. I mean, he could could still think uh, all of the words. Uh, His mind was functioning, but he couldn't connect those words to his lips to communicate them anymore. So here's a guy who used to make his living as one of the best communicators you would ever hear in your life. And he goes to bed one night and he wakes up the next morning and now he can no longer speak and he can no longer play music. And even after years of therapy, he still can't really. So you might ask, like, what do you do in that kind of situation? You know, how do you respond? How do you move forward? Well, Here's what Dieter did. He did the next good thing. He got a job as a crossing guard. The sign could do all the talking for him. Someone gave him a camera. And he began to take amazing photographs because a picture is worth a thousand words. A friend got him a job at Trader Joe's. And he works in the back room with what many markets call the spoils. And these are the pieces of produce that have flaws and imperfections. So they can't be put out on the floor, but instead they're given to food banks to help the poor and the disadvantaged. And Peter said he relates to the spoils. That even though he's flawed and broken, God still uses him. And people wonder how he views God now. And he said that he used to see God as his boss, but now he sees God as his friend. Work feels less like work and more like play. And you know what he calls the stroke? He calls it the stroke of grace. In fact, he got two tattoos. One that went down one arm, uh, the arm that is no longer usable. And it's a huge lightning bolt to remind him of the stroke and of the lightning strike that changed his life. But on the other arm, it's water all the way down his arm. And it's to remind him that every time he looks at it, that Jesus says, I am the living water. And he says, when he looks at it, he thinks to people as he extends that arm, living water to you, living water to you, and living water to you. What's he doing? He's doing the next good thing. He's putting on the helmet of salvation. It's not about his performance. It's about God's grace and love coming through his life. He's bringing out the word of God, remembering that Jesus said life is simply about loving God and loving others. Listen, life is going to come with challenges. And sometimes things are going to happen that we can't explain and we can't control. We lose so much and we never know why. But you deal with defeated thoughts through positive actions. The good life is found in the good we do, not simply the good we hope to get. So celebrate God's rescue. Take up the word of God and do the next good thing. That's how you stay strong and move forward with God's strength. Maybe some of you are listening today. And maybe you're at a place where you're ready to cross that line of faith. Where you sense that God is calling you home to him. I know that God wants to offer his salvation to you free. Free. He wants to save you from the penalty of sin and the presence of sin and and the power of sin in your, the presence of sin ultimately, the power of sin presently and the penalty of sin in your past. He wants to redeem you from all of that and help you find a new beginning in him. And the Bible says if we'll place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, if we'll believe that Christ died and rose again on our behalf, that we will be saved. So I wanna ask everybody now to please bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey by repeating a simple prayer after me, either out loud or in your own heart. God knows. You say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. And help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you in Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just wherever you're at, slip your hand in the air and just acknowledge that you're reaching out to God today. You're trusting him. Slip your hand in the air. God, we thank you. We thank you for each person reaching out to you, and I pray you will show up in a huge way in their life and let them know they are not alone. God, do the work that only you can do and give us strength and help us stay strong as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to say congratulations to those of you that made a spiritual commitment in your life. And we would love to put some resources in your hands that will be helpful to you. And so in just a moment, our host will explain uh, how you can get a hold of that resources. I want you to know I pray for you every day. Love you guys. Think about you all the time. Can't wait till the day finally, eventually comes when we can gather together. But until then, I'm praying for you. Will you pray for me? And let's pray for one another. And let's stay united and stand together and keep following Jesus in faith. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.